welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is brought to you by Beam Minerals. And you hear me talk a lot about minerals because I find more and more, both from guests on this podcast and from what I'm seeing in the research, that minerals are so important and that we are not able to get what we need only from food anymore. And I love that I found this company called Beam Minerals. They provide all the minerals, electrolytes, and micronutrients that your body needs in a single one-ounce liquid per day. Now, the interesting thing I love about these is that they are naturally formulated in the same ratios of minerals that your body uses. And as we know, minerals work in pairs and teams. So it's not just about getting the minerals, but getting the right ratios if we want to thrive. These minerals are also unique because they are ionic, which means they don't require digestion. And that makes them almost 100% bioavailable. So your cells get the benefit almost immediately. The other benefit here is they taste essentially like water. So they're great for kids. They don't have a strong taste. And I have been experimenting with these and because they're ionic and so bioavailable, I really do actually notice an increase in energy almost instantly when I take them. And I've been giving these to my kids, especially my athletes, to help them stay fueled for competition and to recover more quickly. They also have a lot of great information on their website, but you can learn more about them by going to beamminerals.com. And if you go to beamminerals.com slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama, you can save 20%. So go to beamminerals, B-E-A-M, minerals.com slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama to save 20%. This podcast is brought to you by Neurohacker and in specific, their symbiotic product that I'm really loving right now because You've heard over and over again how crucial gut health is for overall health and especially for our kids' health. But this isn't just about digestion and bloating. In fact, everything starts in the gut from immune function to metabolism, nutrient absorption, even cognitive performance as we now know much serotonin is made in the gut. But the problem is the things that are great for our gut aren't always the most convenient foods to make and eat. And sometimes there can be resistance with kids, especially with things like fermented foods. And that's why I'm excited about Qualia Symbiotic, which has been a really fun addition for my family. They take 13 of the most research-backed probiotics, prebiotics, fermented foods, and blends and make them a traditional drink mix that you can just mix in water. It's delicious, my kids love it, and it takes only seconds a day to make. It also has a premium spore form probiotic that actually survive in the digestive tract. And I notice that these ingredients really do seem to have a noticeable effect on digestion. It's also vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, FODMAP friendly, and doesn't have to be refrigerated. So if you want gut health support for you and your family that's easy, fast, and delicious, go to neurohacker.com WM15 and try their Qualia Symbiotic for up to 50% off with a 100-day back money-back guarantee. And if you use the code WM15 at checkout, you will save an additional 15% off. So again, that's neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com slash WM15. And make sure to use the code WM15 for an additional 15% off. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com. And today I'm here with Dr. Sam Shea, who in his day job, solves health puzzles for busy entrepreneurs, health-conscious moms, and adults with Asperger's so that they can exit survival mode and re-enter their community. And he has a very personal journey along these lines with overcoming his own struggles, including fatigue, insomnia, addictions, anxiety, gut problems, chronic spinal pain, and much more. And he now 
works in the functional medicine world and also in the genetic world. But today we talk about something that he doesn't talk about as much, which is his stand-up comedy. He uses clean observational comedy to educate and entertain specifically around the area of Asperger's. But we talk about comedy today from the perspective of what it can learn and what it can teach. And both of our experience with stand-up comedy is this is something that I've experimented with as well as a way to get out of my comfort zone. So a little bit of a deviation from the normal, strictly health-focused conversation, but I think an important one. And how he says things, comedy helps us get through tragedy, how art is the receipt for pain and stand-up comedy is the way to itemize that receipt in public and how he is using this to help himself and to help others. So let's join stand-up comic and functional medicine specialist, Dr. Sam Shea. Dr. Sam, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. It's great to see you, Katie. Always great to see you and talk to you as well. And I'm really excited for this conversation because we're going to get to deviate a little bit. We're going to do two episodes together, but our first one, I'm going to deviate from just the realm of physical health. And we're going to get to talk about something that is a personal hobby and passion of mine and even much more so for you because you are much better at it than I am, though I'm still in the process of learning. And that is stand-up comedy. And my listeners may have heard me mention this because every year I challenge myself to do something that is entirely out of my comfort zone. And one of the years it was learning stand-up comedy and performing in front of people, which for anyone who hasn't done it, for me at least was right up there with scary things to do, especially the first time you ever do it. I know you have quite the story with this as well. So for background and context, can you share how you got into stand-up comedy and maybe contrast that a little bit with your background and what you were doing or sort of like quote unquote what your day job is okay so so my day i'll i'll, I'll, I'll do it through uh, the reverse so my day job is that i'm a i'm a online functional medicine practitioner and i support moms and entrepreneurs and adults on the spectrum so that they can exit survival mode and re-enter community that's the big the big overall picture using functional medicine. And for those, your audience is very familiar with functional medicine. Just my definition, real brief, is functional medicine is using the best of Western medicine diagnostics with the best of natural medicine, lifestyle, and diet interventions. So it's kind of the estuary. It's the meeting of salt and fresh water, combining the best of both worlds. And how I got into that is also very similar how I got into comedy I had was very sick and unwell as a child, and that kind of launched my whole journey, uh, which we can talk more in detail at another time. But all the comedy is very similar, that I got into comedy the same way that most comics get into comedy is through tragedy. And we use comedy as a way to make sense of the world and to navigate fraught situations because because comedy is I mean, one of the way, one of the ways that I open up with uh in, in my sets, it's like, what is a stand-up comic? It's a person with a problem who no longer pays for therapy. <laughs> and my another way to, that's been said is that art is the receipt for pain. So people's art is their expression, is how they're able to metabolize pain. My addendum to that description, art is the receipt for pain, is stand-up comedy is the way to itemize that receipt in public. So, so when I started out growing up is uh, I had an extremely fraught home environment and school environment. Uh, my parents had a nuclear divorce when I was six years old and both, uh, and me and all, and all my sisters were caught in the blast radius. And my parents, uh, despite 
despite both being psychiatrists, despite maybe because of, I don't know, this is in the 80s, they they did not handle the divorce well at all and, and did all the wrong things you're supposed to do as a divorced parent, which was you you weaponize a child against the other parent. You use the, the child as the go-between to, to answer financial disagreements between you two. I remember being like eight, nine years old and being shuttled between one and the other about financial issues over me instead of these two grown shrinks being able to just pick up the phone and talk to each other, which is both tragic and hilarious, which is also another way to describe stand-up comedy. And there was a lot of gaslighting and emotional abuse at home. And then at school, there was a lot of physical violence and and gaslighting and uh, willful blindness on the part of the school, the principal, my quote-unquote friends who stood idly by as I was being attacked in plain view. And the the thing of and comedy was I got into comedy because the thing that I could do at home by myself that had some modicum of fun to it and just be left alone was watch TV. And so I watched sitcoms. Uh, now, I watched sitcoms to understand what try to make sense of the world. Now, there's a risk to that. So like learning understanding family dynamics through married with children is like learning rhetoric from Beavis and Butthead. Like it's not, (laughs) there's risks in watching sitcoms to try to understand your world, but some sitcoms were extremely helpful. Uh, Family matters. And before anyone knew any better about his, uh, about his uh, egregious transgressions, you know, the Cosby show was extremely helpful for me to try to understand what it's like to have a functional family that had their disagreements and their problems, but ultimately all came back together by the end of the episode. And so comedy was the way I could try to make sense of the world. Also, comedy was, through comedy, I learned the difference between a threat and a joke. And and it's I'll say that again, it's, I learned the difference between a threat and a joke. And, and what I mean, I'm being very technical here. And when three larger boys would approach me in school and one of them would say something funny, but only the three of them were laughing, that wasn't a joke. That was a threat. If they said something and I laughed and we all laughed, then it was a joke. So I also learned that there's a subtext to how people speak. And uh, the other the other reality that I share with the audience is that I'm also on the spectrum. And in fact, my stand-up comedy is about talking about what it's like to be on the spectrum. Back then, I did. no one ever told me what Asperger's was. No one uh, th- wasn't really uh, out in the zeitgeist yet. And I didn't understand social cues. I didn't understand uh, facial expressions. I didn't understand how to navigate a social environment, both at home and at school. And humor was humor was a way that I could start to understand a stimulus response and social engagements. And humor, the other thing was that if I learned to make people laugh in school, they hurt me less. So if that became, you know, useful in terms of being funny as opposed to an outlet for whatever their for for whatever the you know, children sometimes just in, indulge in petty cruelties, and if 
if I was, if I could make someone laugh, then they didn't want, then this was something novel as opposed to using me as an outlet for their petty cruelties. And lastly, humor, humor was a way to point out painful truths in a way that was palatable. And I, I think that's one reason why humor rocketed up to particularly the Daily Show. Uh, I mean, daily, the Daily Show, I think, singularly was the most important cultural phenomenon that from starting starting in like 2000, 2001, where humor or John Stewart basically brought humor, elevated it up to a level of a level basically as a truth delivery system. And I think at some point it was like a third. I don't, I don't, I'm going to fudge these statistics. I don't quite remember. They're easily look upable, you know, like that something like one third of all adults under a certain age got their all their entire news from Jon Stewart, you know, in at the peak of his, his fame. So that's kind of the origin story. It, again, it's, it's like most, it, it's, it's equivalent to the, the wounded healer archetype in functional medicine. You've interviewed so many people in natural medicine. I, I will guarantee 80 plus percent of them had a wounded healer narrative of some type or another. It's the same for comedy. It's exactly the same. And we use comedy as a way uh, as a way to get shared reality on extremely difficult things that happened in our lives and do it in a way that we now have community, laughter, we have feedback because at the root of almost every trauma, is the is separation that that the root of trauma is the distance from belonging and laughter is the closest distance between two people so laughter is medicine in in a very real way because you know growing up i felt very isolated now laughter is a way to bring people closer i love that and you're definitely right that the majority of people on this podcast do come from a wounded healer perspective. And many of us got into the health world, researching our own issues and trying to find our own answers and then had a desire to share with others. I also think you're absolutely right that laughter is medicine. And you even hear those stories of people who recovered entirely from really advanced illnesses by just literally watching comedy and laughing every day. And it truly is nervous system medicine, it's connection. And I think you're right. It allows us to touch on our pain in a way that we might, our, our subconscious and our nervous system might otherwise lock down. Laughter is kind of a cheat code to get into that. And I know from conversations with you that you also have a desire, and I believe are even working on a way to use stand-up comedy to help people who are on the spectrum as well. And I love, I loved our conversation about this. So if you're willing, I would love for you to elaborate on that, because I think this is actually like a much needed medicine in today's world. Sure. I wish someone took 60 minutes with me about 30 years ago to explain what being on the spectrum meant. You know, I'm on my, you know, sliver of it, of, of Asperger's. And the, uh, if someone had just taken like a, an hour, even 30 minutes to just explain to me, hey, kid, look, here, this is, this is your brain. It's not, the, your brain was not, does not fit in easily into the world as it is. The world was not built for you. So here's, your brain is different. So you've got, these couple superpowers, this buffet of kryptonites, and here's what you need to learn and understand in order to adapt to the normie world. Now, comedy comes in because I only found out I had Asperger's like, like five years ago. And 
if someone had shared with me what this was all about, it would have saved me so much drama and trauma and trouble. And so what I'm doing is I'm using comedy as the vehicle to create and deliver this 30 minute, 60 minute narrative, this, this, this kind of safety package to people on the spectrum and those that love them to help understand what it's, what our experience is like, what we can do and how we can better navigate the normie world. So I'm using comedy to make the message palatable and then making social media, using social media to make it scalable. And then ultimately I'll have a a coaching program built on the back end of it to support people on the spectrum and those that love them to, to make it practical. So, I mean, there's, I mean, we, you talk about business here on, uh, on this podcast. It's like, I'm not sure there's really any other functional medicine doc out there that's creating a one hour comedy special as their lead magnet for the top of their funnel. You know, I don't, I'm not sure that's a thing. Uh, so my, and and I'm doing it and, and and I'm creating I'm creating the comedy. I'm about 45 minutes done with the hour of it. So I'm just finishing. I mean, this next quarter coming up when I study, um, I study with my teacher, Zoe Rogers here, and I do class with her, tw- a writing class twice a year. And so it's just like building it over these past four or five years, just building, building, building. And like it's it's very much in what we were just describing before which is is the wounded is the wounded healer the wounded comic it's using the pain to then create something beautiful that can then be shared at scale to prevent mitigate or reverse the damage that someone else has experienced in a similar track that you did and that's when healing truly happens is when my my thought is like when is a he, when is someone truly healed is when one is truly resourced enough that now you can help another reach that place as well not just i have resolved my thing but i've helped another person you know mitigate reverse or or prevent the thing from them happening to them in the first place The heart behind the I'm on podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on imom.com. And when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. Ooh, I like that definition a lot. And it definitely seems to apply here. I also know from being on a similar journey with comedy myself that for people listening, thinking like, oh, just an hour. An hour is <laughs> an eternity <laughs> when you are doing stand up comedy. And you can do so much work and think you have so much great material. And it's like five minutes. So to commend you on that, because I know, and I'm not as far along as you are, but I know what that journey feels like. I would guess some people, not everyone listening, probably wants to or is willing to embark on learning stand-up comedy. But for the people who do want to learn, I know I've had my own very uh, winding journey of this, and I'm guessing you have as well. How does one even learn? Because I, I can say from firsthand experience, it is not so simple as just getting up on stage and attempting to be funny. 
No, it's it's not it's not the marvelous Mrs. Maisie where you have your your day at work and then suddenly you're up there drinking alcohol and just doing a five minute set super easy. That's not how this works. Uh, just to give you just to give you a sense, like comedy is likely one of the most. It's 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 one of the most egoic, destructive art f- forms in existence. And, and I'll, the reason why is because as a comic, you are never the person who determined if your work is done or good. As a painter, you can finish it. As a songwriter, you can finish it. As a poet, you can finish it. But with comedy, there's that real-time feel- feedback. Do the people laugh? Yes or no? And so it's it's one of the most meritocratic uh, disciplines out there. Like you have peak comics come from literally all walks of life. We're in, we're, we're all like running our sets, and all all we want to all we care about and support is do you make the people laugh? Whatever whatever you're doing, whatever whatever's gone on in your life, and how to do comedy. There's a couple ways. The first one is to just open your ears to comedy, and that means like getting the reps in of listening. I did that as a child all through from a child all the way up through adulthood was listening to comedy. And there's a cadence, a lilt, a a a beat to it. In fact, there's an incredible there's an incredible interview of John Stewart interviewing George Carlin in the 90s. This was before John Stewart was even a thing. Like 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 a re, like he blasted off on the Daily Show. And George Carlin, I watched that video dozens of times because there's so much gold in that interview where George Carlin describes that the comedy is is less like prose and more like music. You can hear the musicality of it. And for people that are really wanting to learn, um, I suggest one, find your three favorite stand-up comics. And I, I say three specifically because you don't want to model after one person. You want to create your own and having three inspirations are very helpful. And just watch them with a studious eye as opposed to just a casual ear. And there's other methods as well. I have uh, I put together for your audience a primer. It's, a, it's about a nine-page document of going through – how I think about and write about comedy and people can just I'll give you the link and people can just get that nine page write up on how to how at least I think about and write comedy and includes prompts and everything else. The other is that there's a bunch of books now on how to write stand up comedy that are available. Then the best way, in my opinion, is to find a comedy coach where uh, mine's mine's Zoe Zoe Rogers, and she she is an actual stand up comedy instructor, and I've studied with her for four, coming on five years now. And the best way to learn comedy is to have a writer's room where you are part of a small group of people, and you are meet about once a week, and you share your material, and you get feedback and how to improve, and you have a deadline, meaning there is a show that is imminent in a couple months. That you have to perform your three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it is, in front of a, a live audience. So there's that pressure to actually create a final product, and that to me has been the single most effective way to really learn how to and perform comedy is having that de- that group accountability with the performance accountability. 
Yes. And to echo what you said, do a five or 10 minute set when you are learning. And for your first set, do not try to jump into something long because it feels like an eternity when you are up there and a pressure cooker all at once. And it's exhilarating and amazing and will definitely get you out of your comfort zone. This episode is brought to you by Beam Minerals. And you hear me talk a lot about minerals because I find more and more, both from guests on this podcast and from what I'm seeing in the research, that minerals are so important and that we are not able to get what we need only from food anymore. And I love that I found this company called Beam Minerals. They provide all the minerals, electrolytes, and micronutrients that your body needs in a single one ounce liquid per day. Now, the interesting thing I love about these is that they are naturally formulated in the same ratios of minerals that your body uses. And as we know, minerals work in pairs and teams. So it's not just about getting the minerals, but getting the right ratios if we want to thrive. These minerals are also unique because they are ionic, which means they don't require digestion. And that makes them almost 100% bioavailable. So your cells get the benefit almost immediately. The other benefit here is they taste essentially like water. So they're great for kids. They don't have a strong taste. And I've been experimenting with these and because they're ionic and so bioavailable, I really do actually notice an increase in energy almost instantly when I take them. And I've been giving these to my kids, especially my athletes, to help them stay fueled for competition and to recover more quickly. They also have a lot of great information on their website, but you can learn more about them by going to beamminerals.com. And if you go to beamminerals.com slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama, you can save 20%. So go to beamminerals, B-E-A-M, minerals.com slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama to save 20%. This podcast is brought to you by Neurohacker and in specific, their symbiotic product that I'm really loving right now because You've heard over and over again how crucial gut health is for overall health and especially for our kids' health. But this isn't just about digestion and bloating. In fact, everything starts in the gut from immune function to metabolism, nutrient absorption, even cognitive performance as we now know much serotonin is made in the gut. But the problem is the things that are great for our gut aren't always the most convenient foods to make and eat. And sometimes there can be resistance with kids, especially with things like fermented foods. And that's why I'm excited about Qualia Symbiotic, which has been a really fun addition for my family. They take 13 of the most research-backed probiotics, prebiotics, fermented foods, and blends and make them a traditional drink mix that you can just mix in water. It's delicious, my kids love it, and it takes only seconds a day to make. It also has a premium spore form probiotic that actually survive in the digestive tract. And I notice that these ingredients really do seem to have a noticeable effect on digestion. It's also vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, FODMAP friendly, and doesn't have to be refrigerated. So if you want gut health support for you and your family that's easy, fast, and delicious, go to neurohacker.com WM15 and try their Qualia Symbiotic for up to 50% off with a 100-day back money-back guarantee. And if you use the code WM15 at checkout, you will save an additional 15% off. So again, that's neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com slash WM15. And make sure to use the code WM15 for an additional 15% off. With that said, when do we get to hear the Dr. Sam Shea special? Okay, so the the as of as of this recording... 
uh, I'm applying for the Denver Fringe uh, Festival, and I'll be applying for an an hour slot. I don't I don't know that some applications aren't even open yet, but I, I have on my YouTube channel, uh, which I'll also give you the link for. I have a, I have a playlist for stand up comedy, and you get to see a whole bunch of videos. Uh, there's one in particular. The title's called Asperger's Physics and Bears. Oh my! And it's an 18 and a half minute set I did last year where I taught the first 10 minutes is on what it's like to have Asperger's and also what it's like to live with someone who is even more further down that my father is at least a standard deviation or two more on the spectrum than I am. So I was in this very strange place where I was, I, w- I wasn't connecting with the normies. And then I also wasn't connecting with my father because he was even more further down than I am. So I'm in this like middle ground where I'm not connecting to anybody. And I talk about that as well. Cause I, cause I can empathize with people who are trying to understand what people are like on the spectrum. I actually also get what that's like, strangely enough. So, so we'll see once the, the plan is, is that if, if I get, if I get onto the stage for that, I'll have, you know, you talk about a deadline, then <laughs> uh, that's that's a major deadline to to get that all put together. Uh, and then from there, honestly, like recording comedy, so so actually getting a full hour done, but then there's like doing all the micro polishing and the micro finishing and, and everything else. That's why you see comics, they don't just write an hour and release it. They actually go and, and do it in multiple crowds over and over, and it takes a lot of time. And then they finally pick a point where they 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 really lock down the show and all the the cadence, the lilts, the expressions, the physicalities, everything else. Then they actually hit the record button for formal distribution. And I have no idea how long that's going to take. But what I am doing is releasing parts of it on my channel. So I, I just finished I just finished a set two weeks ago, actually where it was another seven minutes on Asperger's, uh, uh, a completely different set of topics, including the history of it. And and because one of the things I want to do, Katie, is I want to reclaim the term Asperger's as a, as a term, as a, as a word of pride. And just, just briefly for people that don't know, as the term Asperger's has fallen out of favor uh, to use to describe someone like me on the spectrum. It's all been subsumed into autism spectrum disorder. Uh, I mean, officially it was subsumed. Uh, I think it was in the DSM-5 in 2013 before it was deputized in 1991 in the DSM-4. But uh, Asperger's was a, was, a, was a totally legit term. But what the, 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 the reality is that there's a lot that's come up about the history of the name. Dr. Hans Asperger had credible ties to the Nazi party. And that's why his name has been removed because it is being pulled out of favor because it's unclear. And there's, there's two really, there's two really big debates over whether Dr. Asperger was trying to protect his quote unquote little professors from being sterilized or exterminated, or if he was complicit in the Nazis co-opting Dr. Asperger's, his own work to mark these children for sterilization or elimination. And I would have been one of those kids marked for sterilization or elimination. And so then why would I say, why would I, why would I have pride in calling myself an Aspie? It's because Asperger's ultimately brought down the Nazis. And I can prove it with three names. 
Oppenheimer, Einstein, and Turing. All three had Asperger's. So to me, it's kind of like I am Frankenstein's monster here. Uh, <laughs> that that we that as because of Asperger's, we 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 brought down the very entity that was trying to destroy us. So that's why I'm reclaiming it as as a mark of pride. And people shouldn't be ashamed of calling themselves Aspie because it, regardless of whether Dr. Asperger was complicit or not in how his information, his research was used, we won. And, and that we should have a lot of pride in. I think that's quite the incredible story that a lot of people don't know. And I know you mentioned some of your work online and a guide for people who are listening. I'll make sure those links are included in the show notes. And I will also say, please stay tuned for our next episode that we get to do together, where we get to learn from your other area of genius, which is in the health side. And we're going to get to go deep on some of those topics. But I also think what I love about your story is First of all, that you've transformed your pain into something that not just helps you, but helps others as well. And also that you so boldly tackled something that was originally out of your comfort zone. I think whether it's stand-up comedy or whether it's something entirely different, that's something we can all learn from. And that's why I'd like to set that goal of every year I do something that absolutely terrifies me, because I think that's one of the ways in which we grow. And when we can expand our comfort zone, we might find new things that become passions or joys or hobbies or loves. So thank you for sharing so much of your story today. And like I said, all of those links you mentioned will be in the show notes, but any other passing thoughts that you want to leave the audience with related to comedy before we get to dive into the health world? Yeah. If you get into stand-up comedy, it's it's not just fun. It's not just therapeutic. It's not just a way to to connect with people. It will also make you a better writer, a better speaker, and a better thinker. Comedy forces, you know, you write out 95, 95, 99% of anything you ever write for comedy is ultimately cut away. And you're just in what's left is distilled down in, in the most important, impactful phrases, words, stories. And stand-up comedy has made me such a better thinker and 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 the other the other thing i would say is that it's given a much bigger therapeutic window than i could have ever imagined because all the terrible things that have ever happened is can now be reframed as some trauma to now get over it's now material to transmute and share in a way that to, to help others and uh, I, I feel like comedy is is one of it's one of the best whetstones to sharpen one's mind, both of things going forward and of what's happened in the past. I love that. I think that's a perfect place to wrap up for today. But like I said, all those resources will be linked in the show notes, wellnessmama.com if you're listening on the go. And Dr. Sam, it's so fun to get to have a conversation with you in general, but also about something that's not a normal topic for this podcast that hopefully opens some eyes to new areas of exploration. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing so vulnerably and for being here today. Thank you, Katie. And thanks to all of you for listening. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.